0: Hello everyone, this is Rosemary Coates in Silicon Valley. I'm your host for this edition of the Frictionless Supply Chain Podcast. I'm the Executive Director of the Reshoring Institute where we help companies bring back or expand their manufacturing in the U.S. and I'm a contributing writer to Supply Chain Management Review. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to Anne-Marie Junkman, uh, Senior Director of Global Strategy at Blue Yonder. And you may know Blue Yonder or some of the famous ma- name software that the company has acquired over recent years, such as JDA, I2, Managistics, Red Prairie, and Arthur. Anne-Marie has a big job overseeing customer needs and strategies, but I'm going to let her tell you about that and what she's working on to create at Blue Yonder. So
1: welcome, anne Thank you for having me today. Great to be here, Rosemary.
0: Sure. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be at Blue Yonder and um, include your educational background, too. I'm sure there are listeners that are going to want to know how you got to the position that you're in today
1: no sounds um great um i am a transplant to software so i started out um planning to be an attorney when i was in college and my friend's dad worked at a third-party logistics company for a summer and i decided to try my own feat at transportation and brokerage and from there i never went to law school and i've been in the business about 25 years so um always in the lsp space Um, private equity space, I started my career in transportation, and then I moved into shared services and warehousing. I always found fascinating um, dealing with different clients, whether that was in the e-commerce space, the LSP space, CPG, telecommunications, cosmetics, you name it. How do things move and plan and execute from A to B? So I fell in love with it. I loved the dynamic of the business and how fast it moved. So from there, um, as automation really picked up in the last four to five years, I started to look around these facilities I led and the people and the drivers and thought, "Huh, there has to be a better and improved way to do this for the future of businesses and consumers. How can I help clients in a different way? Which is how I was recruited off LinkedIn, from my I2 days of using the modeling tools at a third-party logistics company. I did not know anyone at Blue Yonder when I started. And basically, it was a pure LinkedIn flat call as I was going through a donuts drive-through.
0: That's great. That's great. That's good for a lot of people to know that, that people actually get recruited off LinkedIn. Yeah, that's very good. Okay.
1: Yeah, they definitely do. Um, It's important to stay active from an education perspective, again, went to a local community college, not Ivy League, um, thought I was going to be political science and history, double major, um, really was involved in public policy. My uh, senior study paper was on public policy um, in government, took the L stats, was admitted to three law schools here in Chicago and never went. Oh, and then wow, wow. years later. So obviously, as you move along, um, you know master's programs in automation definitely have done some great certificates from some of the best um, Ivy League schools. That I have is kind of time moved on and really perfected my craft, not just communication, understanding strategy. So um, I did a program at uh Tuck in a few other areas. And this is where, you know, solutions companies or consulting companies really engage and invest in their employee to kind of bring that education forward of how you approach strategy. So very well-rounded career, um, being curious. Being closest to the people on the floor or the automation or the root causes really causes you to advance your career in this industry. You care. You have a passion. It's always moving. So if I can get here, anybody can.
0: I, I love that. So many of the people we talk to on this podcast, many of the women that we talked to on this podcast uh, have uh, come up through the ranks in various positions and uh, have done operations and all sorts of things. And I think it's really good advice that uh, women think about. Various opportunities as they're moving upward in their career uh, to experience different industries and and different companies and so forth. So good for you. That's wonderful. To give us yeah. a little bit of background about Blue Yonder, I, I know the company, as I mentioned before, has done significant acquisitions over the past few years. I two and JDA and Manugistics. That's a pretty broad range of supply chain solutions. So how are um, Blue Yonder solutions now being offered to your customers? So tell us a little bit about the company.
1: Yeah, I have to say, I've been here a little shy of two years, and I'm impressed. I was drawn into the I2 products, whether that was modeler or strategist, coming from a logistics perspective. You know, we traditionally handle end-to-end for clients when they outsource it. But specifically here, what has been done of all those individual companies from a planning perspective to a full-line end-line execution, final-mile delivery, is enable a cloud environment in a to our biggest company release in December of 23 on the platform. So we know some people have point-to-point solutions, some have on-prem, you know, others are automatically in the cloud. What we did was put that fully together, partnered with Snowflake, partnered with Accenture as one of our partners to really look at our industries. We serve three industries, retail, Manufacturing and LSP is how we broke it up. In between there, there are multiple sub niches. Each group has a different set of values and drivers for their own company. Where are they at? We look at our client's need. So I have a sweet spot to where I can influence the product development, look at where we may have gaps from my business and PL experience, Look at opportunities to where some are early adopters and lighthouse customers and are going to hit the ground running, right? And have already forecasted that in their earnings report to get the value. So we meet clients where they're at. We really explain how software can help and enable their people, how automation can help and enable their people and really improve their workflows. For a variety of industries, what the platform and the cloud, and we were the first company to write on Snowflake's direct platform code, has allowed us to do is basically enable a company from end to end, whether that is planning, order management, transportation, warehouse management. Again, we don't want to sell individual niche products. We have a suite of services, and some people believe that and still go to RFP. What we're trying to do is take this technology conversation and train and educate to say, what do you want to do? Where are your goals? What are your shortcomings? Is it PL internal? Is it you want to be an innovator? Let's talk about those goals and sell value first of the help, and then we can get into what the product does and what that looks like. So I so would. So-
0: is that what you do is are you're yeah. interfacing with the customers to talk to them about what their needs are?
1: Yeah, so when you think about it, Rosemary, um, I'm not pure sales, right? And I'm not a floater. I definitely sit under the business strategy, but my internal customers are obviously sales, pre-sales, as well as our support organizations. But my number one customer is our external customers. They want a person that has been the PL owner, if we're selling an execution system, why is this better? And from the competitor, does this work? Why do I need a suite of services? How is this different? So, my business experience of actually being right. in, in the PL ownership gives me a different perspective than I would say a classic software person of why it matters. And here's where this could help you. So, right. and-
0: so I would, I would, I would um, assume that you can bridge that gap. So, in, from the technology perspective, there are people understand the the uh, the software per se, but you're translating the business needs into how that software is going to work and support the business needs of your of your customers.
1: Okay, yeah, exactly, and it's and it's fascinating to where. The maturity of your own organization and your goals also influences where you need to start. So what I take very seriously, because I was that person also sitting in the hot seat, if you will, if you are an organization that doesn't manage change well, we want to help you do that. Some of this software can catapult you from a low risk, immature change management culture to what we call a level five not all want to move that fast. So it's not just selling a product or a suite. It's let us meet the goals and objectives. Walk around your facilities. Talk to your people. Let me look at your P&L if you're open or give me some highlights. And let's talk about what you need of short and long-term and enable it. So exactly what you're picking up on, not just Here's another WMS system. Let's throw it on the board in the grade. Here's the Gartner Magic Quadrant rating, which is wonderful. I prefer in how Blue Yonder does business is we really meet you on what you need, what you don't understand, and why it matters and where the industry's going. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I think that, yeah. that term, what you don't understand, is really important. I know in my experience too, so many clients actually can't define what the problem is. They don't really know, or or they're operating in an environment that's sort of not optimal, but they don't exactly know why. And I, I that interpretation of understanding what the situation is, as well as what the potential solutions for becoming, you know, a much higher performance team. Is that translation piece is extremely valuable. So good for you. I think that's wonderful. And you have any examples um, that you can give us of, of companies where you've helped like that?
1: Sure. Um, several come to mind. I have the pleasure that a majority of our clients in the LSP space, I've actually worked for and I know, which is an oh, okay. interesting position. But I'll give you an example. Um, you look at freight forwarding logistics, and third-party logistics. Our clients have traditionally come to us and said, hey, I've been in the CPG B2B space, you know, shipping to all the big box, here's the requirements, pallet in, pallet out, case pick. What we really like to do is grow the e-commerce space. What does that entail? What does that look like? So I'll give you an example. A um, mid-regional uh billion dollars a year revenue. I, I won't name the company, but I'll give you an example. We- yeah, no, Don't name the company, you just yeah, No, about no, the company, but, yeah. but I'll give you an example. We okay. we really don't play in this space, but we're looking at the kegger and the niches and online ordering and service B2C to is not going away, which is a fact. Right. How do we do this? Where do we start? What nodes should we ship out of? We have 15 DCs across the U.S two in Canada and one in Mexico. I don't want to hold inventory in all these places. Do I sell 30,000 SKUs or 10? So it's using that business experience of where do you want to go? Are you doing high prestige cosmetics? Are you shipping clothes? Are you shipping items that would go to um, what I'll call a small box um, holding store? We look at your channels. Do you have a planning system? Do you need an order management system? Where should I carry this stock? We don't want to put things in areas that don't have demand to sit there and look at all these inner working transportation costs. So what we do with the client, and I don't want to say this is we have professional services, but before the sale even happens is we sit down and do a really simple framework of here's where we need to start and software. You hear a lot about waterfall versus agile, right? That's about pure software implementation. Many of our clients wanna work in an agile environment, but from a project PMO management perspective, we may need to go waterfall and start in one area with a pilot and go through, if you will, that 50 point inspection to say, here's what you do, here's how we can help you and run some tests, prove the model, in the value, and then you can sell it to your internal board and then roll out from there. That has been extremely successful.
0: Yeah, you know, I've, um, so in my history too, I worked for SAP for a number of years now. We did the same thing. We did a front-end business assessment and Uh, gathering information regarding how the business worked and what the solutions might be. And it makes a world of difference if you are um, thoughtful about what that business need is before you start configuring the software. So it's really helpful, sort of a front end piece. Um, So good to know. Uh, Any other examples besides 3PL? Anything else you can tell us about?
1: Yeah. um, another, Another great example is you go into an area, let's say janitorial services. Another one comes to mind. And from a planning perspective, you have folks planning in three or four distribution centers as a planning extension that are independent of all the other distribution centers and clients. So you're holding stock for those local deliveries in that area times three or four locations. So let's not even get into execution, but from planning. Do we need inventory in all of those locations? We're ordering the same inventory in all the locations. We don't have an idea of supply or demand or even the need. Is there specific lock codes or code dates that I need to actually consider and record in a system for liabilities perspective? So a really simple planning system of being able to automate and centralize those tasks and rely on machine learning. It's just a demand forecast. And again, I hate to keep bringing up the spreadsheets. They're still out there, right? It's typically a shared drive, sharing spreadsheet with their own local flavor of math, putting it together. And what you end up with is obsolete stock, expired stock, a really simple planning system of tying the folks together. And I don't mean... Eliminating people, but having a business sense of this is the impact to our business. Here is the demand. Here's the centralized reporting. So when a client comes in and says, hey, I have a promotion coming up in the spring, and this is December, what do you think I need? And here's my footprint. There's an educated way to talk about that using software. It's not just AI. It's machine learning and simple. It's something as easy as that. That make people's lives better. Instead of every time you touch the spreadsheet, it changes, and you yeah, get
0: to create. That, the- that's a great example. I think. <laughs> um, I, I I think everybody uses spreadsheets, right? Um, I had a, a client a few years back uh, that was in the flooring business, and they had uh, were managing their inventory for about 200 stores on spreadsheets and had a big promotion coming. And the guy that was running the, the planning, they were actually manufacturing in China. And the guy that was running the planning for, for getting that product to all the stores and for the promotion accidentally deleted a line item on the spreadsheet, <laughs> which oh. was one of the major sellers. So they were stuck with all this promotion, they had spent all kinds of money on advertising and so forth, and had no inventory um, because the line that line item had been deleted. Those kind of errors are very costly. And uh, of course, in this particular case, the, the customers could, you know, walk away and go to some other store and order their product from another store. So they lost that business as a result. And, you know, implementing a system, at least you don't have to worry about that kind of horrible thing happening. And, of course, when you're using spreadsheets, as you know, uh, everybody has a different methodology. And, you know, trying to figure out what somebody else did on their spreadsheet is torture, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Torture, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. We um, definitely have our learnings from growing up in this industry um, about spreadsheets. I agree yeah. with you. Sorry to hear that about your client, though. That's a tough one. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, a simple solution was to implement uh, uh, another module of SAP, for example, um, that allowed them to uh, integrate with their financials and not lose lines on their spreadsheet and to be able to plan more effectively. So, yeah, I mean, I think Uh, Businesses often make mistakes like that, and a migration towards an online system is a much better solution than using individual spreadsheets. Okay, so um, there are a few areas that are very high concerns for supply chain professionals these days, such as returns processing. I know that's one of your favorite topics. And the use of AI in analyzing operations. Everybody's talking about AI these days. Um, can you talk a little bit about those two those two topics? And let's start with returns.
1: Yeah, so returns is uh, hot. And I think it's always been there. Nobody wanted to deal with it because yeah. it's, right? You have uh, returns coming from all different locations. You have it coming from B2B, B2B, B2C, uh, destroyed? Do I throw it away? How do I get credit to the customer? What is this? Does it match? And then the whole digitization of it, and the lost revenue of being able to bring that product back and be able to resell it, whether that's a vendor or to a consumer. So we, um, Blue Yonder, you know, acquired a company, Dottle, um, in December of 2023. Um, you know, great people. Uh, They had the ability to wear the platform, the physical kiosk locations. Um, One of their largest clients, as I'm sure you could guess um, who it is, I won't mention it, just in terms of having a physical infrastructure to where you can drop off a return as a computer. What's really neat about this company we purchased is not just the physical. As a consumer, I just want to get it out of my house and get my money back, right, and move on about my business. But from a technology perspective, already having a platform that collects the information, um, the old school RMA number, if you will, the SKU, the data, the price point, the why. Why Why is this? Is it a damage? Is it the wrong size? Incorrect. If we just look at it from a retail perspective and won't even go into to B2B, it's just so important to be able to recapture that inventory and resell it. But the hidden point of returns is also, should it go directly back to a DC? Or is there ability to have many DCs and drop points to where it can be fully refurbished, if you will, or just brought back in and be resold to somebody else instead of shipping throughout these areas to be able to be touched by a human to be pushed back out. So there was a lot of opportunities just when you look at from an optimization perspective of orders of really seeing that physical data in the system. So your second question to me, right? and I love this being an operator, the physical, but the second component is really How does AI help that?
0: The machine. We go there though. I think uh, you know, with respect to returns, there's a. I think in the industry overall too, there's an expectation that's different these days, um, because of Amazon. Uh, You know, when you order something on Amazon, you can instantly return it, take it back to Whole Foods or wherever, and you get an instant refund, and. Almost no one else can compete with that. So, you know, I know if I order some apparel online, for example, if it's from Amazon, I get an instant refund on it. If it's from some other company, it might take two or three weeks or four weeks to get a refund. And it's really frustrating. It's almost like, you know... Why should I order something from that company if it's if it doesn't fit or whatever? It's gonna take forever to get a get a refund. And I think setting the standard in the industry um, by Amazon has made a lot of companies sit up and take notice and understand that they need to improve their operations. It's the same way with fulfillment, um, you know, we expect to order something today and it's on our doorstep tomorrow, right? Tomorrow morning, <laughs> and if you're ordering something online from a, another business and it might take two or three weeks to get to you, it's, it's frustrating. Um, because we've learned to have really high expectations, right? So, yeah, yeah I mean that, you I know, re-engineering totally. those, re-engineering those processes and, um, you know, trying to, trying to, um, Re-engineer out a lot of the time and the and the complexity that is really unnecessary is an important part of that improvement process.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting, and if I get my hand slapped, it's okay. Um, yes. Amazon is our is our customer through the example you provided. So when you say that, um, Dottle and Amazon had in a partnership. So when you talk about Whole Foods um, and that kiosk solution, um, we have a relationship there that enabled that fluid of business that you just discussed. But yes. when you look at it, not just from an efficiency and have my return, it's also from a sustainability perspective. Is there an opportunity to do it more efficiently yes. It doesn't just mean that the carbon in the emissions you you see now showing up, I'm returning it in the original packaging. And it's clear that doesn't work for everybody with gifts, but you see the adaption and migration of us changing our behaviors, looking right. at carbon emissions, dunnage. You mentioned then for fulfillment. I also have a background there and I worked very heavily in gift wrap, engraving dunnage? Do you want, um, you know, cream color agnostic dunnage or do you want the printed brand? So when you're doing that fulfillment order in those SLAs, to your point, typically run 99.5% or more, get out in 24 hours and expedites in six hours, there's choices for a consumer to make their vote. The technology enables those choices. That's what's so cool. We can't forget about all the people or the machines. Executing them. But what technology has allowed us to do is have a vote to your point. When I go and buy, I'm going to choose to spend my money this way. And here's what I value. So we're getting a whole branding of choices. I think as a consumer, we never had before. I I mean, look five years ago and to say, hey, I want fast return on my money so I can go buy more things. Or I'm not this organization. Too much dunnage. I don't like the choices. I'm going to, you know, choose my money elsewhere. So I think this is causing, to your point, competition. But back to the follow up, Rosemary, we've had machine learning for a long time. And I too have had some of the best ML algorithms I've ever seen. I used it as a kid. But generative AI, and the prediction of what we see coming back in the data and predicting what that business is going to need or that individual consumer may need. We have mounds and mounds of data and always have, but now what it's allowing to do is use those algorithms and codes and patent to really look at what are some of the best choices. To be frank, I was an analyst as well. We did some of that ourselves, but this is now on steroids like that to enable the client. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? And that's where the benefits of the cloud and a state-of-the-art platform come in from an end-to-end execution place. You didn't have that before. So really exciting stuff. Very exciting.
0: What do you consider or what recommendations um, do you have for companies that are considering AI. I know it's a a little scary for a lot of companies not understanding what it is or what the benefits are. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like it feels like a big out there. And where do you start? You know, where do you start picking the flowers? Right.
1: (laughs) Um, It's interesting. So when we talked a little bit about my role in moving over to software, we look at the maturity of the organization and we want to be so frank in that debrief of, what are your problems? What do you see? One of the other questions I always ask, are your clients asking you about AI? Do you folks have a data scientist on site? If you don't know what it is, do you know what generative AI is versus AI versus machine learning? Let's kind of start and talk about that. So it's really looking at, okay, what are your processes? What systems do you have? Do you have multiple Do you have systems that are being connected? Are you on-prem? Are you in the cloud? Do you have customized views that you've written and haven't been touched? It's to really start there and understand, are you using any AI within your company today? Are you using any type of machine learning? So when you find and start meeting with finance and the operators and the general manager and the IT leaders and the CTO, there's some inferences, if you will, already that have been built in the business. We start with, what's the what's the foundation? Let's bake that in there. So you're starting instead of, we have to look at this 15 times. Why don't we just bake that into the model of, here's your baseline for the business? So it's really looking at the fundamentals of, oh, we always do this. If it doesn't ship within 24 hours, it produces this report for the clients. Someone goes in across these continents and researches this and does some exception work. So it's getting those very basic fundamentals to say, hey, let's kind of work with some of that. What are your rules? Let's bake that in, automate some of that. So it's standard. People can still look at it, if you will, but it's making those processes simple. But it needs to start with you understand what it can do. That comes from being an educator from your software organization, to be frank.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's really important that you're there educating. I I I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, because I think most people are a little afraid of AI and you know what it can happen. In fact, just last night I was reading a story about Tyler Perry who has a big studio yeah a big studio in Atlanta where they make movies there and he was going to expand it and put that on pause uh because uh, he's unsure and and needs to understand how AI is going to affect the movie industry and it it's quite possible that he won't need all those um those new stages so those new um uh movie kind of infrastructure and we'll do something different with AI. And so I think that that fear and how are we going to use it? And the vision of the future is really important to understand. It's good to know that you guys are doing that. So what do you see are the biggest trends in 2024 and, and beyond? And what do you see is coming up um, by your your clients? What are they talking about? What interest is there going forward?
1: Yeah so beyond uh, the usage of AI um many folks in niches are coming off a harder year I'll be frank in 2023 to sell transportation industry um you know full truckload a lot of excess capacity um e-commerce hard time hitting their full forecast right so there's looking for a restart that traditionally has been from interest rates um healthcare logistics is still expanding Expanding. auto logistics outsourcing is expanding. So what the clients are really asking us for is beyond the AI, show me how it can be used. It's really, what is my automation strategy beyond robotics? If I have facilities, if I have drivers, if I have diverse planning departments across countries, what does that look like from a baseline enterprise end to end? What should I build?
0: really how, really interesting really yeah. interesting that supply chain people have gone from execution moving boxes around the world to thinking about uh, uh, about software and how software oh. tells them where the boxes are moving around the world it's a it's a big leap and i think um yeah. you know s- some people are talented enough to move from an execution position into a strategic thought position but it is obviously a maturing of the supply chain industry all along all along the board and not only to use software but to think about how software can solve those problems. that's that's really great. So' Absolutely. Um, you're, in a, you're in a very senior leadership role um, in supply chain management and we can all certainly benefit from your knowledge and your extensive experience. What advice do you have for other women who are up and coming in supply chain management and want to advance their careers? Can you give a a quick piece of advice?
1: Sure. Uh, Thanks for asking this question, Rosemary, because I think it's important. Um, There's a lot of noise around the word mentor in the industry. And I'm sure you and I had some great mentors. LinkedIn. And listening to podcasts such as this reaching out to people and creating a brand on your opinions, your insights and giving to people matters. It is all at our fingertips. Now you find something interesting, you comment on it, you create a relationship in a give capacity. It's not a take. So before growing up, right, we had cell phones, we had pagers, I'm dating myself, we had to email people or letters and letters still work in this day and age, but you can meet anybody and be anything. Sit down and create a plan for yourself, take the time. What is your five, 10, 15, 20 year strategy? Have goals for this year, beyond your organizational goals of what you wanna do. Get involved in one or two areas. Become a subject matter expert in a SME. Take a course. Just because we did something else 10 years ago doesn't mean we can't change. And give people kudos. Don't ride on other people's coattails. Invest in yourself and really make relationships with people from all age ranges. This is what I'm seeing is valuable. I have mentors that are younger than me. That's okay. I have mentors that are older than me. and have your span of control, not just in your own niche. I follow people and have relationships outside my bubble, if you will, to call me out, to have a different perspective, or have you thought of, Anne? And then we come back and have discussions. So if you are not doing this, the way technology is moving in social media, you are going to hurt yourself. So be curious, right? Like, this, you and I met. Um, this is great. I started following some of your articles and your great background. It's something for me to learn that I didn't know a lot about from your um, you know, legal testimonies on stands and cases. How neat is that? So please let's move forward and help each other. Let's not judge and let's be bigger than what we want to be and not just wrap. Ride- this school this relationship this um hierarchy set yourself some goals and some t- intentions and learn that's all it takes uh, that's
0: great advice yeah. uh, i like to tell my uh, my interns learn something new every day <laughs> so there you go yeah yeah uh, but i think that's great advice and and um certainly looking for mentors in different areas and and so forth very important Okay, so um, Anne-Marie, how do people contact you if they want to get in touch with you?
1: Sure, so a few things. I am on LinkedIn, so um, Anne-Marie Junkman. I think it's A. Junkman, Dynamic Leader. So coined that one about 20 years ago. And then our website is BlueYonder.com dot com if you want to check out our solutions and some more industry insights. And then again, I also have on LinkedIn my uh, company email, AnneMarie.jonckman at blueyonder.com.
0: Thank you so much for being a guest today, Anne Marie. It was really interesting and good luck to you and your position at BlueYonder. And you can listen to more frictionless supply chain podcasts on Supply Chain Management Review's landing page, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can reach me, Rosemary Coates, at rcoates at reshoringinstitute.org and visit our website, www.reshoringinstitute.org where we publish all of our research on manufacturing in America. Thanks everyone, have a great day.
1: Thank you, take care.